This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. chapter 2 as we're continuing uh, once again our series in Ruth, uh, The Providence of God. And just a quick recap of what we've learned since last week that Pastor Isaac led us into chapter 1. We learned that there's a couple of key figures to keep in mind, right? The first one is Naomi. We also have Ruth and we have Elimelech who was the husband of Naomi which we learned passes away. They left Israel in order to look for resources to find food um, because there was a famine at the time. So they leave their land of Israel and they go out to the land of Moab. Now, Moab has uh, bad history with Israel. They have had a lot of wars. Uh, They have oppressed the people of Israel. So the people of Moab have left a bad taste in the Israelites' mouth. But here we are, this family of Israel. Israelites leave Israel to go to the land of Moab to look for provision, and in time, Elimelech passes away, leaving Naomi as a widow, and Naomi's two sons, Malan and Kilian, also pass away, leaving her daughter-in-laws without a husband, and we know that the daughter-in-laws are Ruth and Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah. You get a car. So now Naomi talks to her daughter-in-laws, and she says, listen, you guys have come far with me, uh, but I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you. I am a widow. You guys are widows. You guys are still young. You guys have had no children. Go on and see if you could still do something with your life. And Orpah says, you know what? I'm going to stick by you. And then Naomi says, no, I insist. And then Orpah says, I respect your wishes. She goes back to her people. Um, Ruth, same conversation with Naomi, but this time Ruth says, you know what? No matter what you say... I'm going to stick by your side. And she goes on to say, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. And like I mentioned earlier this morning, my mom would love to hear her daughter-in-law say that. (laughs) She has four boys, so she's going to have four daughter-in-laws. Thankfully, she has not needed to hear that. I am still alive and well by the grace of God. Now, before we begin chapter two, I do want to dive into a little bit of the history and pretty much set the stage as to what is happening in this time period, right? So there's a huge ethnic uh, racial uh, tension between the Israelites and the Moabites because of the history given that they've had, right? Um, So from the perspective of an Israelite, the Moabites just are a reminder of shame, of oppression, of pain of hurt, of rebellion, of idolatry, uh, sexual immorality, uh, to the point where in Numbers chapter 25, we see how uh, Moabite women, Pastor Isaac did touch on this last week, how Moabite women go into Israel, try to seduce the men, make, uh, have sexual immorality and idolatry, bringing judgment of God to the people in that, in that space, killing 24,000. So here we are, we're in Ruth chapter 2, and the history of Moabite people and Israelites is not a pleasant one. Now, as we continue to unravel the narrative of God's providence, right, we see here in chapter 2 what is about to happen, seeing the beginning of God's plot, purpose, and provision in the lives of these women that are left going back to the land of Israel 
in Bethlehem. So verse 1, are you with me, church? Yes. Amen. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now real quick, real pause. The people of Israel, the society in Israel worked different. So if you're an individual, you're a part of a family. If you're a part of a family, you're a part of a clan. And if you're a part of a clan, um, there's numerous clans that make up a tribe, right? So this is where we are. And the author goes ahead and introduces us to Boaz, right? So we're going to get to know Boaz a little bit more. But now we understand um, what's going on here and why is this important? Because something's going to connect as we continue to read. And Ruth, verse 2, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So we'll take another pause here, and we're going to note that there's something happening here, and I just want to touch on it real quick, and it's the going sent, right? Ruth has a desire to help her mother-in-law, but she not only tells her what she wants to do, but she's looking for a green light and okay. And she's doing something great, but with that comes the covering of Naomi, right? Comes the protection of Naomi, comes the authority that she's giving Ruth to go out and work the fields, right? Many times we have a passion to start something, to lead something, whether it's in church or at home. Many times we have to go back to God and say, God, is this your will? Is this okay? And going sent is a huge blessing, whatever it is, when it's ministry, when it's in the secular, the power of going sent. Uh, we'll see what happens here in the book of Ruth and what it means, right? So we continue, verse 3, and it says, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after, after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So once again, the author is emphasizing that he's part of the same clan as the husband of Naomi. Now, for one thing, if you're part of a clan, now you're part of my family, extended family. So my job, my responsibility as a man in this time is to take care of those that are part of my clan. Now, this is just information we're given. We don't know if Ruth knows. We don't know if Naomi knows. We don't know if Boaz knows, right? This is just information the author is giving us as we continue to read. But I want to take a second and just say... Verse 3 says, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come. And she happened to. As a Christian, do we believe in luck? Do we believe in chance? Do we believe in just happened to? No, 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 no. This is just another way of saying God is moving. God is working. God is the beginning. He is the end. And guess what? He is in the between. And as God is moving in the story, whether we see it or not, he is working as it so happens to, right? In the clan of Elimelech. Amen. Verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men, who was in charge of the reapers, and what he says next is what normally every guy says when he sees someone, a female, that is beautiful and intriguing. He goes, whose young woman is this? Now, in 2023, it will not sound like that. It would be like, yo, who? who's, that, who's that shorty over there? And the servant goes on and says to Boaz, who is in charge of reaping the land, he says, this is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. 
So he's getting the history of who this woman is. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reaper. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This is the moment where we see a couple of things. The first one we see is Boaz, right? And I think of Boaz, this, is, this guy is a man's man. This guy has authority. He has uh, survived famines. He is a businessman. He owns land. He is, you know, that, that guy that everybody wants to be and all the girls want to have, right? So it, this is Boaz showing up in the scene. Anybody fan of uh, romantic comedies? Yeah? I am. I, I love romantic comedies. This is the scene where the guy comes into the movie, and they slow-mo, and his hair is in the wind, <laughs> you know? And because it's a romantic comedy, the hair is in the wind, and then, boom, he trips, and then so the movie begins. So here's Boaz, right, being presented to us in such authority and such love. And you see the reverence that his workers have for him, and you see the reverence he has for the Lord, right? He, he, he goes, and he comes in, and he's introduced, and the first words you hear him say is, the Lord be with you, and his workers say, the Lord bless you. Many times, women, we love to look, you know, you guys like to look for Boaz, right? The Boaz has to speak, you know, as a man of God. Amen. And if you're a Boaz looking for your Ruth, you got to keep an eye at what's going on in your field, you know? You can't be mad at who's working in your field, you know? That's another, that's, that's the dating advice right there. So we see Ruth gleaning and Boaz wondering who she is. Then Boaz said to Ruth, what, what do we see in verse 8? Boaz approaching Ruth. Men, if you're single looking for a Ruth, approach a Ruth. All right? Shoot your shot, as the kids say. Right? And if it gets blocked, well, you know, it, it's a big field. It, it is what it is. God was not moving in your story there. All right? And he goes on, and Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, in, in a form of showing love and endearment, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said, to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? What an interesting way of flirting, right? Why have I found favor in you? <laughs> but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. This guy is blessing Ruth already. He says, the Lord repay you for what you have done. A full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Once again, God is the beginning and the end, and he's working in the story in between this, right? And it says, um, my Lord, for you have comforted, uh, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So as we see, Boaz has now approached Ruth. He knows who she is. He knows her history, knows her struggles, knows her pains. And he comes in and offers what? Help. He comes in and he offers protection. He comes in and he offers provision. He comes in and he offers a parameter of where she's able to go. And now she is being offered freedom, right? What a peace of mind that this man just came and approached Ruth with. Now, 
As we continue, verse 14, it says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Gentlemen, take your girls out for a mealtime. That's a date. You know, take advantage of that. Food is good. Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. So he's giving her food on top of what he has already promised her that she could take advantage of in the field. And he says, and also pull out some from the bundles. Uh, sorry, let her, uh, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So what we're seeing here is Boaz not only giving Ruth what she went out into the field for, right, to glean. So to glean is to harvest the grains that are left over from the team, the staff, the workers on the field, that their job and responsibility is to grab the harvest, right? During this harvest time, the harvest, it's important to grab, you know, and whatever's left over, Boaz is saying, you could grab from the leftovers. Not only is he saying you could grab from the leftovers, he has already fed her. So he's feeding her, and, he, and she does what? She's going to take the leftovers that she has. He's giving her a full-on, you know, buffet-style meal, right? He's giving her, and then he goes on to say, did I not command the men that when you are thirsty to drink, right? So once again, we're, we're, Boaz is in this moment not only approaching a woman, right? Because once again, we got to look at the context of this. He's approaching a woman. He's also approaching a foreigner, a Moabite woman that is the lowest of lows in society. Not only is he approaching her, he is feeding her. Not only is he feeding her, he's protecting her. He's saying, stick to my women. He's saying, look to the men who I already commanded not to touch you because unfortunately in this time, in this age, women, especially foreigners, were susceptible to being abused, to being assaulted, to being taken advantage of. Plus, if she's a foreigner, forget about it. There's no one looking out for her in the midst of these fields. And Boaz is saying, I already talked to my men, and I already gave them my command to not touch you and to serve you water if you're thirsty. Once again, unseen and unheard of in a society where women would not be served by men, but instead men would be served by women. So Boaz is setting such a high standard for all you gentlemen today. Just letting you know that right now. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself. So imagine that this Boaz is showing up from the clan of Elimelech, giving love, showing protection, showing uh, grace towards someone he only knows and heard of, does not yet know her. Verse 17 says, so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Now, for those who don't know what an ephah of barley is, don't worry, we're going to explain it today. An ephah of barley simply translates to 30 to 50 pounds of grain. That's a lot of grain. And to give you some perspective, in these biblical times, a man's ration after days of labor is one to two pounds of grain. So men out there are working the field, struggling, reaping, grabbing the harvest, preparing the sheaves, are only getting one to two pounds of barley, right? And here is Boaz presenting to her an ephah of the grain, of the barley, that's 30 to 50 pounds. That's, a lot. That's, a, that's more than a double portion, if you ask me. If, you, if your math is mathing, as they say, you know, that God is providing for Ruth in such a way. And, and I, can, I can only imagine what Ruth is thinking at this time. Who am I for this man to take notice of me? Who am I for this man to give me so much grace and love and favor, right? 
And as we continue reading, it says, and she took it up and went to the city. I don't know about you guys, but Ruth must be a very strong lady because carrying and hauling 30 to 50 pounds of grain <laughs> is not an easy task, right? And it says, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her in such awe and surprise, right? Because imagine you, you send out your daughter-in-law. You don't know how safe it is out there in the fields. You're not expecting her to get much. She's a Moabite woman. She's not loved in the society. She's not respected. The last thing you're going to think is that she's going to come home with an ephah of barley. So a couple of things must be crossing her mind, whether it's what has she done, who has she robbed, what is going on, because I, you know, she's, she's coming from a place of brokenness, of lacking resources, and here comes her daughter-in-law walking up with an ephah of barley. In such awe, she goes, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? She asked the question twice. That's how in awe she is. Where did you glean and where did you work? And she goes on to say, so she told her mother-in-law, oh, no, and, and where have you worked? And she goes, blessed be the man who took notice of you. So Naomi's already blessing Boaz without even knowing that it's Boaz who has been helping Ruth out throughout this time. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter, may he be blessed by the Lord. Again, man, Boaz is a blessed man. Be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Remember, she has just lost her, father, uh, her husband and her sons. And here's Boaz not knowing, blessing the living, Ruth and Naomi, and even blessing and honoring the dead, right? Because, again, part of the clan of Elimelech is to protect the clan members of, the, you know, of what's going on there, who the people are made of. So, and it goes on to say that Naomi also said to her, the man is close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. What a choice of words. One of our redeemers. Because in all biblical times, what happens is that if you're part of the clan as a man, your responsibility is also to have the opportunity, if it allows, to redeem someone who might have lost someone. So in this case, we're seeing God set the stage for Boaz to show up and redeem them. And I'm sure Naomi is super intentional with using the words redeemer. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close my young men until they have finished all my harvest. So here is now like that, you know, that mother-daughter talk, right? Or they're kind of like, oh, my God, like I, you should have seen the guy I just met. He said to, to keep close to, to his men, to, that he's protecting me, that he's got me. And I'm thinking about Boaz, I mean, what a flex, right? What a, what, a, what a way to just show up and say, hey, this is what I have. This is who I am. This is what I do, right? If you're a guy, this guy has, you know, cars for days. This guy has property for days. This guy has a, you know, multi-million dollar business. This is a man that is saying, hey, I, I have these resources and I want to share them with you. And Ruth and, and, and Naomi are enjoying it, right? They're like, wow, this, this is, bless this man, right? It's pretty much, they got nothing else to say but that, bless this man. And she goes on to say, and Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, the women that are protected under Boaz, lest in another field you may be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And like every good binge-worthy show, we end this chapter with a to be continued. 
And that's where we conclude today. So this is what's going on in the life of Ruth and Naomi, where in chapter one, they have lost everything. They have lost family. They have lost food. And now we're seeing chapter two, the introduction to what seems like the turning point and the purpose of what God is doing in their life. So you may sit there right now and say, how does this story apply to my life individually? How does this apply to my family? How does this apply to my church and God's kingdom, right? So there's four themes I want to quickly touch on. And the first one is loyalty. We see Ruth's loyalty with Naomi. We see how she clings on to her, right? She, how she sticks by her side. She goes to a land she does not know. She goes to a people she does not maybe care for. And she sticks by her side and says, where you go, I shall go. Who your God is will be my God. And because of this loyalty, we see a season about to begin of opportunity, of hope, where there was trouble before. They hanged on to each other and the hope that the Lord had put in their hearts, right? See, church, our faith is tested when the storms of difficulties approach our life, yes? Not when there's overflow of provision. See, their, their faith has been tested, and now we're seeing you know, the product of their faith, but we're seeing how even in the midst of trouble, they're holding on to God's word. They're holding on to what the Lord has promised them. And when we look back and we read all about Boaz and you begin to see his heart's intentions, what love he begins to grow for this woman who has gone through so much. We start to see in him springs out generosity. See, Boaz once again crosses the line of culture. Whatever norm was, he broke it. He said, I don't care if you're a Moabite woman, I will help you. I don't care if you're a widow, I will help you. I don't care if you um, don't deserve anything, I'm going to help you. If you're on my field, I'm going to protect you. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We see the Lord providing for Ruth and Naomi. Now I ask yourself, how many of us are willing to come out of our comfort zone? How many of us are willing to come out of what religious parameters we're creating, whatever bubbles we, we have to help those that are broken, to help those that are lost, to help those that don't look like us, that don't smell as good as us, that don't talk like us, right? Boaz is stepping out of his comfort zone and coming to Ruth and serving her and helping her. How many of us are able, church, today to say, I am willing to walk the way that Boaz walked? I am willing to love on those that may be seen as unlovable. I'm willing to give to those that seem like they don't deserve anything. And through that, we see provision, and we see how God begins to use Boaz to provide for Ruth and Naomi. Matthew 6.26 says, For if the birds of the sky don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? Amen. 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 Are you not more valuable than birds, church? Amen. For God, God knows your story. Boaz knew Ruth's story. He, know, he knew what she went through, what she had lost, what she, the journey that she had taken to get back to where um, Naomi was. And we're seeing how his love for her starts to provide. Many of us have gone through difficult seasons or perhaps are going into a season right now of loss. Whether you lost a job, whether you lost a family member, whether you're, you're losing a relationship at home, whether you're, you know, you're losing a friendship, wherever it is, you're going through a season of loss right now. And this is God's reminder to you on this beautiful Sunday, I got you. If the birds don't have to worry about eating, I have you. It may not look, you may feel like you're in chapter one of Ruth, but there's a chapter two and there's a turning point. 
And God is promising this today through his words, through his scripture, and reminding us. And then I think about what Naomi said and her intentions and choice of words when she said, Boaz is a redeemer. He is a redeemer. He could redeem us. And I think about everything God has done, sending his one and only son to live a life we can't live, to die a death that we deserve, to resurrect conquering death and sin, and redeeming us from our brokenness and our past, from providing when we had nothing, when we lacked something, he came in and redeemed us. And there's one thing that Boaz says to Ruth, and I'm going to end with this. He says to Ruth, don't go to any other field. Don't go to any other field. Whatever you need, I have. God today is reminding you, church, don't go to any other field. Many times we look at the other field and see maybe I like the crops over there. Or maybe the fruits in the world, some tations, they look nice. But God is saying, stay within the parameters that I've created for you. I have put people in your life to serve you. I have people to put in your life to protect you. I have given you the crops that you need more and more in abundance. Amen? Amen. If you could stand up with me, we're going to close out in prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com.